0: Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Michigan State University, several victims of a shooting. Our Spartan hearts hang heavy. We cannot allow this to continue. What is traversing our own airspace? We're calling them uh, uh, objects. I'm much more concerned about <laughs> the Chinese and the Martians. CPI inflation number of half a 1%. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Tuesday. Got a good program lined up for you. We'll try to get to as much of those headlines as we can. Sorry to report this to lead things off, but it has happened again. We've talked about this time and time and time again, this time a soccer player, a Belgian goalkeeper by the name of Arnie Espiel, died during the second half of his soccer game last Saturday at the age of 25. Espiel, who played for Winklesport B in Belgium, saved a penalty kick, then collapsed to the ground. Despite medical staff treating him with a defibrillator, he was pronounced dead at a local hospital. Winklesport was mourning the death. We wish his family and friends of Arnie our heartfelt condolences. This is a disaster and shock to everyone. The uh, team manager said, Arnie's been with the club all of his life. He was very loved. As Bill's family and teammates were among a thousand mourners on Monday, an autopsy is scheduled for Monday. Results have not been released. I'm sorry, but once again, you have a prime 25-year-old athlete. Falls over dead of a heart attack in the middle of the game. Just falls over dead of a heart attack. I asked the question, and it would be nice to know. As often as this is happening, what was his status with the vaccine? Don't want to sound like an alarmist, but you've got to ask the better to ask the question and begin to uh, see if there's a pattern here, then are we just going to ignore it? Can you remember a time? I mean, I'm 68 years old. I do not remember a time in my life where so many healthy, young individuals and athletes falling over dead of heart attacks. Former South Carolina Governor uh, and U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley announced today that she is running for president. We are expecting this. She actually hinted at this earlier in the month. In a video message posted on Twitter, she touted her record as South Carolina's governor. Looking towards the future and the needs of the country, it's time for a new generation of leadership, she said. Haley identified numerous threats facing the country, from the socialist left to Russia and China, Warning, there are those who see the United States as vulnerable. Haley's announcement drew mixed reactions. Quote, Nikki Haley has led an incredible life with many successes and accomplishments. She has performed at the highest level in every elected and appointed position she's held. Said Lindsey Graham, I'm confident she will acquit herself well as a candidate for president. Of course, Graham has uh, already endorsed Donald Trump in the 2024 campaign. Despite the kind words from her home state senator, the announcement did not sit well with others on the Republican side in Trump's political orbit. Quote Nikki Haley is just another career politician. She started out as a never trumper before resigning to serve in the Trump administration. She then resigned early to go rake in money on corporate boards. Taylor Butowich, uh, MAGA Incorporated executive and former Trump spokesman, wrote in a statement. Haley officially launched her campaign on Tuesday, joining Trump as the only other candidate currently running for the GOP nomination. Nikki Haley's strong pro-life, pro-woman leadership stands in contrast to the false feminism of abortion advocates. As U.N. ambassador, she stood unflinchingly for human rights, advancing America's prerogative of defending life against pro-abortion forces that would impose an international right to abortion on demand. Marjorie Danzenfelder, president of SBA Pro Life America, said in a statement. Jamie Harrison, Democratic National Committee chair, blasted Haley's announcement. Nikki Haley served in Donald Trump's administration, has embraced the most extreme elements of the MAGA agenda, and couldn't even identify a single policy difference between herself and Trump, Harrison said. At least she can give a definition of what a woman is. <laughs> I uh, I like Nikki Haley. I don't think she's going to win. Uh she will uh elevate her importance. Uh she might end up on a cabinet, maybe a VP. But I don't see her. I I could see her as a as a possible VP for Donald Trump. I could also see Tim Scott as a VP for for uh, Trump or for uh DeSantis. You know, I think I think all the people that are running, you know, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see the reaction and response of uh, Donald Trump to some of these names. Now, he's already spoken very positively of Nikki Haley. I would assume he doesn't think that she is a threat. He obviously thinks DeSantis is a threat because he's constantly uh, throwing barbs at him. Uh, we'll see who else gets into the race. I, I would imagine we will see um, a couple of others anyway. I think Pompeo will get in, and uh, Pence, you see his name a lot. I'd actually uh, say that Nikki Haley's got a better shot of winning this than Pence does. So, uh, inflation numbers came out, and uh, not good, but according to uh, Joe, everything's rosy. House Republicans rebuked Biden for his optimistic view on the economy following uh, the inflation report. Price levels rose 6.4% between January of 22 and January of 23, according to data released earlier this morning by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Exceedingly, exceeding analysts' forecasts as energy, food, and shelter prices apply pressure to household budgets. Biden has offered a rosy view of the economy despite challenges and in such inflationary pressures and chain uh, bottlenecks said prices are coming down last week in the State of the Union address. Biden blamed inflation uh, on Putin's war. That was expected. House Ways and Means Committee Chair Jason Smith of Missouri told The Daily Wire that spending proposals offered by the commander-in-chief are worsening cost pressures. Uh, Quote, Biden is in denial and has no plans to stop inflation. He started in a State of the Union address to the uh, nation. The president promised more of the same reckless spending and Green New Deal handouts that have made everything from gas to groceries unaffordable for the working Americans, food and shelter prices rose 0.5% and 0.7% in just one month. Respectively, uh, energy prices, which had declined 4.5% in December of 2022, were responsible for much of the disinflation, a trend which now re- appears to be reversing since gasoline and utility gas services rose and 6.7% respectively in January alone. The elevated fuel costs occurred after gasoline prices reached their highest level on record last year. Biden also said during the address he has presided over the largest deficit reduction in American history. Uh, That's that's a sleight of hand. Um, he, He did oversee the decline of the deficit. But that's because it was so high just prior to that because of all the handouts that had taken place in relationship to COVID. Now, if you actually look at the uh, uh, deficit for 2022 and compare that to pre-COVID deficits, it's higher. So the the blip just before Biden came in, and the early part of Biden's administration, that blip up gives him the bragging rights to say, "Well, I you know I've seen this deficit reduction." Uh, that <laughs> that is uh, that's uh, uh, playing with the truth. We'll say we'll try to be diplomatic on that. Uh, rising price levels have presented difficulties to households over the past two years. Some 50% of respondents to a recent Gallup survey said they are financially worse off compared to a year ago, while 35% said they're financially better off. Uh, in other words, the vast majority of people said uh, things aren't good. Yesterday we mentioned to you about James Clapper. You know, He came out and said that uh, Politico was um, the pu- publication of Politico was was not fair um, saying that he and 51 other national intelligence former national intelligence uh, gurus had uh, said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation um, and we mentioned that it was uh, it was interesting that he would now say that uh, his intent, and, and we mentioned yesterday, successfully so he was giving cover to Joe during the campaign against Donald Trump. And I will say, congratulations. I mean, I, I think it was uh, you know the, the fact that you lied about it is is nothing honorable about that. But congratulations that you probably helped Joe get in the White House town hall ran a story today citing a number of different individuals that basically pointed to what's going on and saying, um, you know, those who have been following this closely are now crying foul, pointing to the fact that Clapper took no issue with the context of uh, the Politico story when it came out, Two, you know, back during the campaign, it came out, and that's when Politico originally made the the statement that this was, um, you know, that, that these individuals claimed this was Russian disinformation. There there was no complaint from Clapper then. The complaints have now arisen from Clapper, saying that Politico was unfair and was untruthful in describing this letter in this way. Why? Because now the Republicans, Jim Jordan in particular, are overseeing committee hearings, questioning things like what James Clapper did. Jonathan Turley wrote, Notably, I do not recall Clapper rushing forward before the election to correct the widespread use of the letter, To dismiss the laptop as Russian disinformation, it was only after the Russian disinformation claims were debunked after the election that he appeared to be distraught. Clapper appeared regularly on CNN as the false Russian disinformation story was raging. Now, suddenly, there's a different uh, angle to it, and his fanny's on the line. Uh, There was message distortion, James Clapper says, of the election rigging letter he signed claiming Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Politico deliberately distorted what we said. He didn't say a word for two years. Now he's scared. That from uh, Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Uh, Finally, Jim Jordan, the coordinated effort to suppress public um, disinformation, I'm sorry, public dissemination of the serious allegations about Hunter Biden and the Biden family was a grave disservice to the American citizens, informed participation in our democracy, Jordan wrote in a December letter to Clapper. Um, James Clapper and John Brennan are now on notice, Jim Jordan wrote in December of 2022, after Republicans took the House and, uh, of course... Jim Jordan, again, is the head of this committee that is going to be investigating, um, among others, James Clapper and John Brennan. Couldn't happen to two nicer guys. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a time out. Stay with us. We've got lots more to talk about. And uh, we've got Keith Kidwell is going to be calling in. And uh, we'll see if we can get Keith on the phone to talk about a couple of uh, issues that are going forward in Raleigh. We'll be right back. I'm always reluctant after being here 37 years to tell people what the American people think. Uh, and I don't. I can't swear I do. I know what I think. I think I know what they think, but I'm not sure what they think. This is Eastern Carolina News and Views. Welcome back in. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, if you're on the way home, you still have time to stop by. The, it might be slim pickens. The good flowers are probably gone and... Uh, you might be uh, getting some. You know, don't don't take her home a Hershey bar if that's the best you could find. Um, Come on, yeah, promise promise her something. Don't take her a Hershey bar. And uh, i look. I like Hershey bars, but that uh, probably. I will do anything. <laughs> uh, lots to uh, to talk about today, and uh, a lot is happening up in Raleigh as the legislature is now in full swing. Interestingly, there are stories out this week. In fact, there's a story out just today. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem has signed a bill into law that bans sex change surgeries and experimental puberty blockers for children and teens who struggle with their sexual identities and can be influenced into having irreversible procedures such as chemical castrations. House Bill 1080, also known as the Help Not Harm Bill, uh, was signed uh, yesterday. After the uh, state legislature overwhelmingly passed the legislation, uh, Noam said the South Dakota kids are our future with this legislation. We're protecting kids from harmful permanent medical procedures. Uh, Town Hall earlier this week had a story that minors in Florida who believe they are transgender and are seeking irreversible gender-affirming care will no longer be able to access this kind of treatment, even in clinical trials. The uh, Florida Board of Medicine has basically doubled down, and uh, they are really saying we, we are not going to allow this to happen. Uh, interestingly, and I'm happy to report, that in North Carolina, there is a similar bill. House Bill 43 was introduced to the General Assembly proposing the prohibition of sterilization surgeries, puberty blockers, and cross-sex hormones for minors. Primary sponsors of the bill are George Cleveland, um, Bill Ward, Steve Tyson, and uh, from right here in eastern North Carolina, Keith Kidwell. And Keith's on the line with us right now. Keith, welcome back to News and Views. Always good to have you with us.
1: Thanks, Tom. Good to be here.
0: So House Bill 43, explain to us uh, what it would um, prevent from happening to these miners, and uh, are you, are, do you feel good that it's going to pass?
1: Well, you know, we're, you never know what's going to happen up here in the General Assembly. I learned that in the, in the four years I've been here, so... I think this is a common sense approach. Uh, we're we're not, uh, we're not dealing with people who are over the age of 18 that, you know, can make conscious decisions and, and, and do things for themselves. Uh, quite honestly, Tom, this is, uh, taking young children and when they talk about doing things like, you know, whether it's chemical castration, real castration, you know, hysterectomies, whatever it may be, and, and be it actual medical or, or through, uh, you know, surgically or through medication, I, I don't think we should be permanently altering a child's uh, sexuality under the age of 18 years old. It, it's, uh, I've actually heard, and I know you you have too, of, of men coming up and suing their parents later on because they had them circumcised. Yeah. You know, uh, we also, I'm potatoes, pretty yeah. sure, still have, still have a law in North Carolina where you can't get a tattoo if you're under the age of 18. Yeah. You know, we don't let them drink. We don't let them smoke. But you're going to let them surgically alter their bodies? Yeah. How does that even make sense?
0: Is it helpful that uh, for this legislation to pass, the fact that we see other states uh, falling uh, th- this, or, or actually leading in this way? I mean, Florida's done it. Uh, now South Dakota's done it. There are other states. Uh, I believe it's uh, taking place in Arkansas, and I think Alabama as well. Are they're basically on the same track that North Carolina is now.
1: Well, of course, anytime we can look to other states and see what they've done, see what the courts do with what they've done, it's it's helpful to us to determine what's the best path forward for us. Um, You know, and this is something that that my constituents, you know, 79th district. I don't represent Wake and Charlotte and all those areas, which they they likely have a different uh, outlook on this. But I can tell you, Tom, people in the 79th district are concerned uh, that these these types of things can be done. And the other thing that's concerning, and I've not seen this in North Carolina, but in other states where they potentially have schools doing this affirmation without the knowledge of the parents, which is just insanity.
0: Well, there have been stories here actually in eastern North Carolina along those same lines where schools have been referring students to uh, uh, organizations that might, uh, you know, not help but push these uh, kids Further down the uh, down the trail towards you know these kind of uh, transitions that are they're so unhealthy. Is there yeah. is there uh, I mean you all hold the purse strings. Uh, is there anything in this legislation that says hey, hey you know hospitals uh, if if you want us to continue to uh, help in your funding um, you know don't don't go on this transgender transgender route with uh, minors.
1: Well, you know, th- th- this bill would just flat out prevent that from, from happening, uh, and, and has penalties in it so that whether it's the hospital, the, the doctor, the nurse, whatever, uh, that does this thing, they, they would be subject to losing their license and being fined. Do you, uh, you uh, know. Go ahead. I just, I just don't see where, where, you know, we should encourage this type of activity for children that young. Um you know, let, let's just face it. We don't let them, we don't even let them vote. I mean, whatever it is. Why? Because we feel that they're not in that position. And I'm a father. You know that. I'm a grandfather. There's no way I'd have my, my 14 year old son or grandson wanting to make these type of decisions. And then me as a parent or grandparent following through with that and knowing full well that one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got, Tom, is when my son was born. Somebody told me children go through phases, each phase leads directly to another, and each one is slightly worse than the one before. And, boy, I'm going to tell you what, that's, that's pretty much the truth. And some of these children are going through phases in life that it's not something they're going to stick with. And you've seen it. You're a oh, father. Yeah. You oh, know yeah. this. Oh, yeah. You know, your children come up with ideas, and some of them are okay, and some of them are just harebrained. And, you know, you don't want to have somebody altering their life permanently or
0: something that's a phase they're going through. Well, right? that, as, a, as a dad, you, you, I, and I'm sure you felt the same way, there are certain times in life, on, on one hand, you, you want your child to grow and mature, but you, and you allow them as they get older and older to make decisions for themselves, but you hope and pray, Lord, please don't let them do something that is going to permanently scar them. And sure. I, I say that in a figurative sense, but here you have it in a literal sense. And for a parent to, uh, I mean, you've got to have your head really screwed on backwards to think that going in and removing genitalia is somehow healthy for the child. It, it is—it's beyond the pale. That, I mean, that's not even doesn't even come close to any kind of a reasonable decision. And it's—it's it's quite sad that we have got to get to the point that we are even having to. Pass such laws that uh, you know. I mean, you know, the Hippocratic Oath is that you're not going to do harm, and and now we've got to pass laws to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Yep. Uh, Yeah. I I often look at things like this, and I have to wonder what's next.
0: Yeah. Hey, while I got Uh, you, when I got you on the line, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, this Medicaid expansion bill. Um, It it sounds like uh, it's it's on the fast track. Uh, News and Observer has a story out today. The bill which would grant health care coverage to thousands of low-income North Carolinians flew through two House committees today. Representative Donnie Lambeth of Forsyth County, um, one of the primary sponsors, says this has been widely debated across the state. It has several associations and groups endorsing it. You know, the only thing I could see, uh, one thing that really scares me about this bill is uh, Lambeth said that we can improve medical health services in North Carolina, which... Medical health services has a history of abusing uh, uh, government uh, subsidies such as Medicaid and Medicare. Medicaid especially. I mean, that, they're the biggest abusers of Medicaid, of of any service that related to the medical industry. Uh, I, I, I will I will uh, tip my hat to this. That you know, he, he basically, and I'm paraphrasing here. He's saying. Let's get these people out of the emergency room and get them into primary care. I mean, right now, if you if you have a, uh, an emergency and you go to, uh, I know over in Vidant, I hear horror stories after horror stories of people that have to go to the emergency room and sit there for literally hours uh, because it's packed with people that are there, in, in, you know, because they've got a, a cold or some other Ailment which shouldn't be treated in the emergency room, and they're there because you know they can they can get free services. Uh, what's your thought? And here's the Go thing, ahead.
1: Tom. If we put if we put six hundred thousand people on health care in, in the United, in in North Carolina, let's look at the finances on this first. That's that's going to be my specialty, right? So they're saying the hospitals have to absorb the first ten percent, right? Okay. And when the hospitals absorb that first ten percent, what does that mean? That means and you know I've spoken to the hospital representatives and they they were oh well, yeah that's what's going to happen. That 10% is going to be passed along to the paying people. Okay? So you and I and our insurance companies are going to have to pay that 10% spike due to the fact that the hospital has covered. The, the hospital is not going to eat that. The hospital is already saying they're losing money. Now we're going to add 10% more to that. Okay, so that's where that's coming from. Now, the next 90%, they're telling, well, it's not going to cost the people in North Carolina a dime. Well, how is that possible? Because I'm pretty sure the people in North Carolina send their money to the federal government, who in turn is going to pay this 90%.
0: Bingo. Now, to
1: say that's government money, that we're not paying it, is ludicrous. Every dime the government spends comes from the American taxpayer, okay? And what they're doing is they're turning on those printing presses in China and printing more American money, to cover the 90% increase that we're going to see in the tax – not 90% increase, but the 90% that has to be covered on these these medical expenses. So you know, to say that's not being passed along to the taxpayers, you just don't understand basic finance. Yeah. You know, so let's, let's just deal with that right off the top. The next thing is you really want to expand access to healthcare, Tom, repeal certificate of need laws, which forbids doctors or whoever from opening more clinics and more practitioner places – uh, and they're they're always opposed by the hospital to repeal a certificate of need. Tom, the federal government repealed certificate of need laws because they knew they were horrible, okay?
0: And don't we still and have North, North Carolina, we, yep.
1: Yeah, and uh, North Carolina has the most draconian in the continental United States. The only one that's worse than us is Hawaii, okay? Next thing, uh, uh, PAs and NPs, the, the nurse practitioners, and the physicians' assistants are licensed to do medical procedures within limits. They can't do surgery and things of this nature, sure. but they can certainly give you a flu shot. They can check your blood pressure. You know, they can tell you if you got a cold. They can test you for COVID, whatever it might be. But they're restricted from pra- from practicing in North Carolina, and there's a lot of other states that allow them to practice independently within the scope of their license. Now, if we freed up the, the nurse practitioners, the physicians' assistants and stop requiring people to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get licenses to open a new doctor's office. I maintain we would give people more access to health care. You would lighten the burden on the emergency rooms, which would help the hospitals. You know, but I'm just a simple guy from eastern North
0: Carolina, you know? Well, this, this 90% that is going to be covered by the uh, federal government, um, they're, they're saying, according to the News and Observer, uh, the News and Observer, News and Observer article, the expansion bill says if the federal government cost share for the people enrolled in expansion falls below ninety percent, coverage for those individuals shall be discontinued as quickly as possible. Uh, listen, when was the last time you saw some federal program, whether or not it was run by the state or not? Once this this camel gets its nose in the tent, it ain't going away. I mean, the idea and, that Tom, we're that's gonna...
1: exactly what I told them in the committee meeting today. I said there is no way you're going to sit here and tell me. If you're going to flip a switch on this and turn it off three years down the road if the Fed changes the, the rate they reimburse. And what's going to happen? I told them this. I said, you know what's going to happen? You're going to draft legislation. You're going to call an emergency meeting of the General Assembly, and you're going to pass whatever law you have to to cover the adjusted percentages. Don't kid me. Yeah.
0: And yeah. if they don't think the federal government and the Biden administration is not going to pull a bait and switch, as soon as you're committed to this, they're going to say, oh, you know, the rules have changed, and, uh, you know, yep. we guaranteed it for a year, but we've got to cut it after that. Uh, well,
1: and you know the other thing is they're doing dangling this carried out there, Tom, one point five billion dollars, and to you and I, that's a whole lot of money. But when you start talking about covering people in this expanded Medicaid situation,
0: they'll go through that if quickly. If they
1: change it by ten percent, it barely covers that program for another year.
0: Are you okay? under the impression that uh, Republican leadership? It certainly appears to me that Republican leadership is uh, is behind this; that they want it to go through.
1: Well, I mean, you, you have to look at what happened last year. It was passed through the Senate. Uh, the only person in the Senate to vote against it last year was Nor- was uh, Norm Sanderson. Yeah, that, that was it. Uh, you know, the House decided not to take it up, but I-, I don't know if it's because they didn't have the votes or what the deal was. But you know, here's what I can tell you: as you can well note that the bill is moving through committees. If the bill's moving, the- somebody's pushing the bill.
0: Right, or-, or allowing it anyway. I mean, they're not they're not preventing that's-
1: it. Yeah, yeah. Right. That- that's I've-, I've seen many of my bills sit there and die in whatever committee they've hit because it wasn't something they wanted to pass.
0: So should uh, listeners call in? I know I know, they know where you well, stand uh, on it, but should they call in to Tim Moore and others? And, uh, well, as
1: far as where I stand on it, you might hear this in the media, because uh, I, I told them walking out of finance committee, I said, Representative Kidwell, are you now voting for Medicaid expansion? I looked at him and said, it, I'm not going to say exactly what I said, <laughs> but I said H, no, okay? And then I looked at him. I said, did you join the cannabis caucus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, bottom line is folks, with anything, this legislation or any other, if you don't like what your your general Assembly is doing, don't just call you know you know where I stand, so don't don't waste your time calling me on this. If you don't want to pass it, call the other members of the general Assembly and ask them, you know what what are you doing? Why are you doing this if it's not what you want? In my experience in the third congressional district, which is our seventeen counties in Eastern North Carolina, that Greg Murphy is our congressman. I can tell you, by and large, the people in eastern North Carolina do not want to see Medicaid expansion. If you don't want to see it, get on the phone, call representatives, call senators, tell them do not pass this bill.
0: So do you think your uh, colleagues that are, are uh, representing their different areas of the state that are Republican, or do you think they're uh, in the same mindset that you are? I mean, obviously there's some that are behind this, but uh, do you think that's the majority, or do you think the majority would, uh, would think this is wasteful spending?
1: Yeah, I, 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 you know, we, we had some meetings on this and there's people coming down on both sides of the fence, quite honestly. There you go. So, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to end up at this point. You know, I'm hopeful it's going to go the route that, that I would like to see and that is let's, let's leave Medicaid expansion alone. Uh, let's repeal certificate of need. Let's let the nurse practitioners and the physician's assistants have more access. And I think that's going to go a long way towards solving this problem. You know, it's like I told one of the hospital representatives today. He was telling me that, you know, oh, this is going to do so many good things. I said, no, government doesn't do good things when they take over. You don't clean an outhouse by putting more (laughs) junk in the outhouse.
0: Okay? Keith, thanks for all you do. We appreciate it. We'll look forward to seeing you later in the week. Keith Kimwell calling in from Raleigh. You bet. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The information you need here to be informed and stay informed. Put
1: the song in this heart of mine. Put the smile on my face every
0: Because I love a rainy night. Welcome back in. Well, love More information is being revealed about the suspected school shooter who killed three people and wounded five others at Michigan State University Monday night. Anthony McRae, 43 years old, was arrested and charged back in 2019 for illegally carrying a concealed weapon, a felony, and a possession for a loaded firearm in a vehicle, a misdemeanor. Uh, what's interesting about this is this is a reflection of another George Soros uh, individual, Carol Simon. Anthony McRae was charged in June of 2019 with illegally carrying a concealed handgun without a permit, but later those charges were dismissed by the office of Ingram County District uh, District Attorney Carol Simon. Her office instead let McRae plead guilty to a lesser misdemeanor gun charge, and he served a little more than a year on probation, just probation which ended in May of 2021. He initially faced up to five years in prison for the felony charge, the Detroit News reported. Simon retired from the district attorney's office at the start of this year after facing criticism from judges and law enforcement officials for her soft on crime policies. That same year that McCrae was released, Ingram County Sheriff Scott Wigglesworth pushed East, East Lansing City Council to reconsider her Internal Felony Firearm Charging Policy, which he says does not hold people properly criminally accountable and increases the likelihood of additional gun violence. Simon made it her office official policy in August of 21 to drop mandatory prison sentences for felony firearm charges. She says the sentencing enhancement led to dramatic racial inequity which was not in any way linked to the goal that we share of keeping the public safe. Simon is a part of the George Soros Vast Public Safety Network. She has participation in international criminal justice reform junkets with other reform-minded prosecutors like Philadelphia Larry Krasner, Chicago's Kim Fox, and Los Angeles' George Gasson. She also backed a radical San Francisco prosecutor, Chessie uh, Bowden, ahead of a recall campaign that eventually ousted him from office last year. Now, as you can imagine, there uh, a lot of Democrats are screaming and hollering for more, more gun control. The irony is, Michigan State University is a gun-free zone. So exactly tell me, what are you going to pass that is stronger than the current law that says it's illegal for you to have a gun here? How did that work out for you? But listen, bottom line is, these progressives, George Soros and these progressives, they are looking for a way. They want their policies to fail. They are delighted that this Anthony McRae, who should have been behind bars for what he did, they are delighted that he did what he did in the sense that this will be a further step, they hope, in taking guns away from law-abiding citizens. That's their goal. By the way, here in North Carolina, kudos to the North Carolina Republican-led Senate, Danny Britt from Robeson County, and other Republican senators today held a press conference highlighting bills that will expand gun rights ahead of the bills being debated in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Republicans introduced three bills. Now, they wanted to combine, the Republicans wanted to combine all these three bills into one, The Democrats wanted three separate bills because there's one bill they like and two they don't like. Republicans introduced Senate Bill 40, which would repeal the Jim Crow-era pistol purchase permit laws. We've talked about that before. Senate Bill 41 would eliminate a loophole that prevents gun owners with concealed handgun permits from carrying a concealed handgun during religious gatherings if the church meets on school grounds on other days of the week. And then Senate Bill 67, this is the one that Democrats like, would establish a two-year statewide initiative to educate the public about the importance of safe storage of firearms. I think that was an olive branch. I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here. I think that was an olive branch in hopes that when all three of these bills were going to be combined, that the uh, Democrats would get on board with supporting that and thus support the whole bill. Uh, That did not happen. Senator Jim Perry spoke to critics of Senate Bill 41. That was the one that would eliminate uh, the loophole that prevents uh, gun owners with concealed handgun from uh, having their, their gun with them in a church service that meets at a school. Jim Perry spoke to critics of that bill who claim it would hinder school safety. Quote, we think this is very important. This is purely about allowing churches to safely worship if they happen to meet a location that also has a school on a different day. We would also ask that you ignore the hyperbole and focus on what the bill really is. And by the way, I hate to say this, but more you, you hear about these church shootings more and more, almost as if some sick people want to make that the target. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. got more stories. We'll cover as many as we can. We'll be right back. Back
1: to News and Views,
0: Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 89-year-old Diane Feinstein, uh, She, we don't know whether she's going to retire or not. There was an announcement made earlier today that um, she is not going to seek re-election in two years. However, just released moments ago... Now uh, Democrat California Senator Diane Feinstein appeared to be unaware of her own retirement announcement earlier today, telling a group of reporters at the Capitol she hadn't made a decision on her future despite announcing just hours before she would not be seeking re-election. By the way, I'm not, she's 89 years old. Folks, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean here, but she really is appearing to be uh, in cognitive failure. Um, According to multiple reports, a Feinstein staffer quickly notified her that a statement had already been made on her retirement, prompting her to say she was unaware that the information had been released. Reporters present for the interaction quickly took to Twitter to report on Feinstein's confusion. Asked by reporters about her announcement to resign, she said, quote, if I haven't made that decision, I haven't released anything. A staffer then told the senator that a statement had been released. Feinstein responded by saying, I didn't know they had put it out. Feinstein on retirement, I haven't made a decision. I haven't released anything. We put out the statement. You put out the statement. (laughs) Um, Again, you know, the the staff uh, photos that they release of Feinstein were taken a few years ago. More recent uh, photographs of the senator, she she does look confused, I'm just saying. And uh, yeah, most of us will be in that condition when we're 89 years old. I'm not knocking, the, well, I, I don't like her liberal policies. I'm not knocking her because of the cognitive failure. She's 89 years old. She doesn't need to be a U.S. senator, just as we don't need a U.S. president who has cognitive failure. Speaking of which, Joe Biden is going to... Go forward with a sale of another 26 million barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve after draining more than 180 million barrels from the reserve uh, in 2022. Uh, to put it in context, Biden has now drained, uh, he'll drain 26 more uh, million barrels. It is uh, now half of what it was when he took office fifty percent of what it was and he took office. Um, I, I, again, I'm not sure this is a 40 year low. If we actually have a uh, an, an emergency um, we're in big trouble. we will go through what's left in 17 days. Now we had for the nation we had a month's worth. we had 34 days over a month's worth and now it's down to 17 days. Uh, Again, you you have to ask yourself the question that I ask almost every other day. Who is Joe Biden working for? He's certainly not working for the American people. I mean, these, these decisions are so irresponsible. And yet he'll get in an interview and he'll start cackling like a hyena, like this is some funny joke. He is trying to keep it PG. He is really messing up the American citizenry with these decisions that are not helping the American people at all. This is uh, irresponsibility at its worst. Hey, our thanks for uh, Keith Kidwell joining us. Thank you for listening in. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.